Our Old Testament passage today picks up in Joshua chapter 23, beginning with verse 1. A long time afterwards, when the Lord had given rest to Israel, I like that, from all their surrounding enemies, and Joshua was old and well advanced in years, Joshua summoned all Israel, its elders, its heads, its judges, and officers, and said to them, I am now old and well advanced in years. And you see all that the Lord your God has done to all the nations for your sake. For it was the Lord your God who fought for you. He said, now let's remember, you didn't accomplish this. God did. Brothers and sisters, sometimes you and I need to look around at everything we have and everything we've accomplished in our life and realize it's God who did this, not us. So what a little God did this. And when you walk through that new home that you have, you walk through that business that God has given you, businessmen, rather than sit there and feel pride, look what my hands have done, feel humility. Look what God has done. Behold, I have allotted to you as an inheritance for your tribes, those nations that remain, along with all the nations that I've already cut off from the Jordan to the great sea in the west. The Lord your God will push them back before you and drive them out of your sight. Notice, God will do this. And you shall possess their lands just as the Lord your God promised you. Therefore, be very strong to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, turning aside from it neither to the right hand nor to the left. Now notice, you need spiritual strength, not SS by super spiritual. You need spiritual strength, SS, spiritual strength, to keep and to do the word. So when people talk about doing the word, you need spiritual strength. Father, strengthen us in our inner being by the power of the Holy Ghost in Jesus' name. I keep teaching you to pray that. You need spiritual strength to keep the word, spiritual strength to do the word. That you may not mix with these nations remaining among you, nor make mention of the names of their gods, or swear by them, or serve them, or bow down to them. So notice, make mention... Swear by them, serve them, or bow down to them. He said, I don't even want you to talk about their names. Now, you're going to find out that I'm kind of funny about that. Have you ever noticed I don't talk about the names of, of Hindu gods and, and, and all the other different kinds of gods that there are in the world? Have you ever noticed I don't go around and talk about all their different names and stuff? Have you ever noticed I don't teach about the cults? Yeah, there's a reason for that. I don't want to mention the names of their gods. I don't want to talk about this stuff. Unless there's something in the Bible that I have to read, you don't hear me talking about all these demon gods and stuff. I, I just don't like that stuff. But you shall cling to the Lord your God just as you have done this day. I like that. <laughs> cling to God. In the middle of whatever's going on, I'm going to cling to God. He said, and you, you can do it. He said, you can do this. You can do it, because see, you are doing it. He said, just as you have done to this day. For the Lord has driven out before you great and strong nations. And as for you, no man has been able to stand up against you to this day. One man of you puts to flight a thousand, since it is the Lord your God who fights for you, just as he promised you. See, when God works with you, 
you can do more. Now, now you just got to get a hold of this thing. Whenever God is working with you, it's going to be like, boom, everything just, you get more done. One man can put a thousand to flight. Be very careful, therefore, to love the Lord your God. <laughs> now, that seems like fun, a funny statement to make. Be very careful, therefore, to love the Lord your God. Beloved, there's so many different ways. Why would he say this? Because, see, so many pulls on our hearts. There are so many pulls on our hearts. Be very careful to love the Lord your God. For if you turn back and cling to the remnant of these nations remaining among you and make marriages with them. Now notice, he said, I want you to cling to God. He said, but if you don't cling to God instead, he said, if you if you cling to these other nations and make marriages with them so that you associate with them and they with you. This is engage the culture. He said, I don't want you to engage the culture. He said, I've given you a culture. He said, I don't want you to cling to the remnant of these nations. I don't want you to make marriages with these nations. I don't want you to associate with these nations and they with you. You're, you're a different people now. You have a different culture. Know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you. They will be a snare and a trap for you. Now notice, he said, you, you start engaging the culture, and God said, I, I'm not going to give you victory. I'm not going to drive these people out before you. There'll be a snare and a trap for you, a whip for your sides and thorns for your eyes until you perish off this good land that the Lord your God has given you. Now, brothers and sisters, talk about a warning. He said, don't you go out and start joining with these people. This is your land I've given you. You are a unique people with a unique culture. Live that way. Now, I'm about to go the way of all the earth. And you know in your hearts and souls, all of you, that not one word has failed of all the good things the Lord has promised you. He said, you know it in your hearts and you know it in your souls. I like that. He said, you know in your hearts and souls, all of you, all of you. He said, you know God kept his promises. All have come to pass for you. Not one of them has failed. And just as all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you have been fulfilled for you, so the Lord will bring upon you all the evil things until he has destroyed you from off this good land that the Lord your God has given you. If... All those ugly things are going to happen if you transgress the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and go and serve other gods and bow down to them. Then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you, and you shall quickly perish off the good land he has given you. That's a scary warning. Joshua chapter 24, verse 1. Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, and the officers of the people, and they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Long ago, your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, and the father of Abraham and of Nahor, and they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led them through all the land of Canaan and made his offspring many. And I gave him Isaac. Now notice, he said, This, this is your past. They served other gods. 
He said, and to Isaac I gave Jacob, and Jacob Esau, and I gave Esau the hill country of Esau to possess. All right, so God said, I gave Esau. So Edom had a land. But Jacob and his children went down to Egypt, and I sent Moses and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt with what I did in the midst of it, and afterward I brought you out. Then I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. And when they cried out to the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and made the sea come upon them and cover them. And your eyes saw what I did to Egypt, and you lived in the wilderness a long time. Now, that was a scary time, a long time. Then I brought you to the land of the Amorites who lived on the other side of Jordan. They fought with you. And I gave them into your hand, and you took possession of their land, and I destroyed them before you. Then Balak, the son of Ziphor, king of Moab, arose and fought against Israel. And he sent and invited Balaam, here's Balaam again, the son of Beor, to curse you. But I would not listen to Balaam. Indeed, he blessed you. So I delivered you out of his hand. And you went over the Jordan and came to Jericho, and the leaders of Jericho fought against you, and also the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the, the Gershonites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and I gave them into your hand. And I sent a hornet before you, who drove them out before you, the two kings of the Amorites. It was not by your sword or by your bow. God sent a hornet. <laughs> God said, I did this for you. I gave you a land on which you had not labors, and cities you had not built, and you dwell in them. You eat the fruit of vineyards and orchards that you did not plant. Okay, this is God's blessings. This is God's prosperity. He said, you, you, didn't, you didn't earn this. I brought you into cities. You moved into homes that you didn't build. He said, you walked into businesses built, agricultural businesses, vineyards and olive orchards. He said, you never developed that. I just gave it to you. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river of Egypt and serve the Lord. Notice, the gods your fathers served beyond the river. Now, here's that phrase, beyond the river, again and again and again. Beyond the river. Beyond the river. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, <laughs> we will serve the Lord. I, I just, yeah. You know what? Everybody's got to make a choice. Everybody has to make a choice. People have to choose who they're going to serve. Are you going to serve God? You're going to serve the traditions of your fathers, the gods from beyond the rivers. You're going to serve the gods of the Amorites that God drove out before you. Everybody has to make a choice. But I, I, I love this guy. Joshua says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us out and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the peoples through whom we passed. So he brought us and he preserved us. Now those are two great truths. To bring us out of sin is one thing. 
to preserve us in the journey into the promises, that's a different subject. So brought us, brought us out, preserved on the journey. That's a beautiful truth, brothers and sisters. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore we will serve the Lord, for he is our God. And Joshua said to the people, You are not able to serve the Lord, for he is holy. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive the transgressions of your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve other gods, then he will turn away and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. And the people said to Joshua, No, but we will serve the Lord. And Joshua said to the people, You are witnesses against yourselves, that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. Then he said, Put away the foreign gods that are among you, and incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. Wow. Now we understand. Now we understand all that he has been saying. All of this that he has been talking to us about. All of this that he's been talking about. Now we understand. He knew that they had foreign gods among them. He knew that. He said, all right, put up or shut up. He said, you say you're going to serve God? All right, put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, the Lord our God we will serve and his voice we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and he put in place statutes and rules for them at Shechem. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God, and he took a large stone and set it up there under terebinth tree that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness against us, for it has heard all the words of the Lord that he spoke to us. Therefore it shall be a witness against you, lest you deal falsely with God. Wow. You know, there are people that deal falsely with God. Amazing. So Joshua sent the people away, every man to his inheritance. After these things, Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being 110 years old. And they buried him in his own inheritance at Timnath-Serah, which is in the hill country of Ephraim, north of the mountain of Gaash. Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua and had known all the work that the Lord had done for Israel. Wow. <sighs> Leadership. All the days of Joshua. All the days of the elders who outlived Joshua. And these leaders had known all the work that the Lord had done for Israel. People who have seen the reality of God can keep leading people to serve God but they have to have experience with God. Too often, Joshua dies, and people who continue to lead the people of Israel, they have no experience with God. They've never seen the miracles. They've never known all the work of the Lord, and they can't lead the people to God. You see, you can't take people someplace you've never been. 
you know, I sometimes look at young pastors and I say, you know, great, you've got a little bit of ability, but you've never seen miracles. You can't lay hands on the sick. You've never laid hands on anybody and seen an instant miracle in front of your eyes. You've never laid hands on somebody and seen them begin to speak in tongues as the Holy Spirit filled them. You, you, you've, never, you've never seen miracles in front of your eyes. You've never seen the great and wondrous deeds of the Lord. And, because, and then you're going to stand up and lead people out of your head? It doesn't work like that. I would challenge all of the young pastors today. There will come a time for you to lead. But you can't take people into any... You can't take somebody... Some, you can't lead people someplace you've never been. You can't lead people into a reality of a walk with a living God that you don't have. As for the bones of Joseph, which the people of Israel brought up from Egypt, they buried them at Shechem in the piece of land that Jacob brought from the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for a hundred pieces of silver. And it became an inheritance of the descendants of Joseph. And Eliezer, the son of Aaron, died, and they buried him at Gibeah, the town of Panias' son, which had been given him in the hill country of Ephraim. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship. Possibilities slip from my hands And prayers the went and answered That I couldn't understand There's a fate that came with mountains But I never let it prove me I only trust in things that I could see So much frustrations and trying it alone I've had a revelation I can make it on my own Deep in my heart Lord, I freely give it. Lord, I freely give it. 
Our New Testament passage today picks up in Luke chapter 22, beginning with verse 63. He's just been arrested, and Scripture says, Now the men who were holding Jesus in custody were mocking him as they beat him. Now, that to me is fascinating. As they beat him, they mocked him. So these were men who were close to the religious leaders, but mocking is a part of rebellion. They're rebelling against the Christ. So they didn't just want to beat him. They wanted to mock him. Mocking is always a part of rebellion. They also blindfolded him and kept asking him, prophesy, who is it that struck you? And they said many other things against him, blaspheming him. Many other things against him. That was not a nice night for Jesus. Painful words. Painful words. All the things they had to say against him. Painful words of mockery. Painful words against him. Painful words. When day came, now this is after the illegal trial at night. He's been put in the dungeon overnight. They went home to sleep. They came back for the legal trial. When day came, the assembling of the elders of the people gathered together, both chief priests and scribes, and they led him away to their council. So he went from the, the, the dungeon at Caiaphas' house, okay, and he went to the temple courts. And if you look at the temple, this is the women's court. This is the temple proper. The altar would be right in here. Right over in here, this is what they call the stone chambers. Right there in the outer wall, just outside the temple, the temple proper. That was the stone chamber. They led him to their council. They said, if you are the Christ, tell us. And he said to them, if I tell you, you won't believe. But if I ask you, and if I ask you, you will not answer. He said, no truth in you. There's no truth in you to believe or to answer. But from now on, the Son of Man shall be seated at the right hand of the power of God. So they all said, are you the Son of God then? And he said to them, you say that I am. Then they said, what further testimony do we need? We have heard it ourselves from his own lips. Now notice, the charges are he is the Son of God. Those are the charge. That is the charge. Now, that's important to remember. Chapter 23, verse 1. Then the whole company of them arose and brought him before Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We have found this man misleading our nation, forbidding us to give tribute to Caesar, and saying that he himself is Christ, a king. So now we have three different charges. Now, what they're mad about is that he's the son of God. <laughs> what they charge him with is something that will make the Romans mad. Now, you have to understand, people's accusations are person-specific. People's accusations 
are person-specific. You will find that people who don't like you accuse you of a variety of things based on who they're talking to. What does this person, what will make this person upset? What will make this person mad? So their accusations varied based on their audience. And Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? And he answered, you have said so. Then Pilate said to the chief priests and crowds, I find no guilt in this man. All right. Now notice Pilate never even <laughs> noticed. He never asked. Are you misleading the nation? Are you refusing to give tribute to Caesar? He never even asked. He knew that was silly. Jesus had been teaching in the temple courts every day. He'd had reports back what was going on. I mean, he, he didn't even ask Jesus about that. And he said, now what about this a king? He said, you have said so. He is the king of the Jews. But they were urgent, saying, he stirs up the people, teaching throughout all Judea and from Galilee even to this place. When Pilate heard this, he asked whether the man was a Galilean. And when he learned that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him over to Herod, who himself was in Jerusalem at that time. Because remember, Pilate only ruled over Judea. Herod, King Herod, ruled over Galilee from either Zephori or Tiberias. When Herod saw Jesus, he was very glad, for he had long desired to see him, because he'd heard about him, and he was hoping to see some sign done by him. So he questioned him at some length, but he made no answer. Why would Jesus answer him? This is the man who killed his cousin, John the Baptist. Why, why would Jesus answer him? He assassinated John the Baptist to, to please his daughter for doing a sexual dance in front of his friends. Jesus made no answer. The chief priests and the scribes could by vehemently accusing them. Now, I want you to notice this, brothers and sisters. They were urgent. They were vehement. People who accuse, accusers are very emotional. Accuser, accusers are very emotional, urgent, vehement. And Herod and his soldiers treated him with contempt and mocked him. Then arraying him in splendid clothing, they sent him back to Pilate. And Pilate and Herod became friends with each other that very day. For before this day, they had been at enmity with each other. <laughs> A friendship made in the death of the Savior. Pilate then called together the chief priests and the rulers and the people. And he said to them, You have brought me this man as one who is misleading the people. And after examining him before you, behold, I did not find this man guilty of any of your charges against him. Jesus is proclaimed innocent. Neither did Herod, who sent him back to us. Look, nothing deserving of death has been done by him. So Jesus is again found innocent. He is the perfect, pure Passover lamb, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. He said, I will therefore punish and release him. But they all cried out together, away with this man and release to us Barabbas, a man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection started in the city and for murder. Pilate addressed them once more, desiring to release Jesus. 
But they kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him. A third time he said to them, why? What evil has he done? I have found in him no guilt deserving death. I will therefore punish and release him. But they were urgent, demanding with loud cries that he should be crucified, and their voices prevailed. Now, brothers and sisters, I want you to notice that accusers, urgent, vehement, urgent, demanding, voices prevailed. Sometimes the loudest voice wins. And that's why good people need to stand up for truth. Because sometimes all these loud voices out there making accusations, they're they're just not true. But they're very urgent and they're very demanding. So Pilate decided that their their demand should be granted. So loud voices win the day. And that's a very sad commentary. That's a very sad commentary. But unfortunately in life, I've watched this. I've watched this in churches. I've watched this in nations. I've watched loud voices who are corrupt, but because they're so vehement and they're so angry and they're so loud, they win the day because nobody wants to fight with them. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder for whom they ask. But he delivered Jesus over to their will. Notice, their will. He delivered Jesus over to their will. It was not the Romans that killed Jesus. And it wasn't the Jewish people that killed Jesus. It was the will of these religious leaders who were vehement, who were demanding, who were urgent, and just drove it through. That's a very sad commentary. All right, let's look at Proverbs for a minute today for a little bit of wisdom as we close out. (laughs) Now, some of this is pretty strong talk, all right? Take a man's garment when he has put up security for a stranger. Hold it in pledge when he puts up security for foreigners, all right? When somebody comes and they guarantee, they say, I guarantee this person, take their collateral. You know, somebody comes to you and says, I vouch for them, take their collateral. Okay? This 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 is collateral. Okay. Take their collateral. I promise they'll I promise they'll pay you. Okay? I'd like some collateral for that. Now, what I've learned in life is if you do that, people won't guarantee it anymore. Well, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not willing. Well, you said that you guaranteed it. You're not, you're not willing to guarantee it enough to put collateral down? <laughs> you know what I found? People who promise to guarantee other people's debts never want to pay the debt. So learn. If people come and they want to put down collateral for somebody else, if they want to put down, uh, please, use my name. I guarantee they'll pay the bill. That's wonderful. I'd like some collateral piece. Then you'll find out, do they really believe the person will pay the debt? Bread gained by deceit is sweet to a man, but afterward his mouth will be full of gravel. Now, this is deceptive business. Deceptive business. 
There are people who make money by deceit. They make money by deceit. Now, making money by deceit, it seems sweet to a man. Guy goes, yeah, you did all right on that. No, you didn't do all right on that. Because long term, his mouth will be filled with gravel. You know what I've always found? These business people who make their money by deceit, give it a few years, and that business deal becomes a source of tremendous problem and tremendous difficulty in their life. Plans are established, given permanence, by counsel. So you give permanence by counsel. And by wise guidance, you wage war. You, you, you need guidance and you need counsel, folks. Everybody needs to listen to people. Have you ever noticed that King David was an incredible warrior, but he had a council of advisors? Have you ever noticed that Solomon was the wisest man that ever lived, but he had counselors around him? You see, it's one thing to be really smart. It's one thing to be really wise. But you can't know everything, and you can't think of everything. This is why you need good counselors. This is why you need people who, will, who that you listen to in life. Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with a simple babbler. All right. A person who is a gossip. Now, notice what God says. These people who go around and say, I know this and I know that, and they reveal secrets. He said, don't associate with them because they're going to reveal your secrets. Now, straight up, brothers and sisters, if somebody comes to you, and I've learned this in my short life, if somebody walks up to you and they start telling you about something, something about somebody else, they're not going to be a person I'm ever going to be close to because you know what? They'll go tell other people about you. You've got to understand what goes around comes around. And if they're talking bad to you about other people, I promise you they're talking bad to other people about you. And this is what he's saying here. Now look at it from the New Living Translation. A gossip goes around telling secrets. So don't hang out with chatterers. Don't, don't hang out with them. Well, you know, they've been, we've been friends since high school. I don't care. Do you obey the Bible or do you obey your desires? Well, we're friends. Do you obey the Bible or not? Don't hang out with people to run around slandering and telling everybody's secrets, true or untrue. If one curses his father or mother, his lamp will be put out in utter darkness. Wow. New living. If you insult your father and mother, your light will be snuffed out in total darkness. You should never go around talking bad about your parents. Ever. You should never go around talking bad against your parents. Just, it should not happen. Now, you know, sometimes I sit down with young people and I say, you know what, your parents aren't perfect. And as you get older, you, you learn to understand and accept their imperfections. But you don't go around talking bad about people. You know, I, I've, I've known people in my life that walked around telling everybody in the church, you know, my father has a second family. But in front of his dad, he's all sweet, sweet, wonderful. Give me more money, daddy. But he goes around to other people saying, you know, my dad has a second family. Well, you know what? Your dad sinned. Your dad made a bunch of screw-ups in the past. Don't you believe in forgiveness? Leave it alone. 
I've known guys that run around. All they do is talk about how bad their dad is or how bad their mother is. You know what? Leave it alone. Let the family stay in the family. Learn to forgive in Jesus' name. Young people, please, young people, especially with your parents so stressed out right now. And I know you're stressed out too, young people. But when your parents are all stressed out right now, maybe they've argued more than they usually do. Maybe your dad has been a little more irritable than he normally is. But you know what? You don't need to bring that up. Maybe your dad really messed up one time and he came home drunk. You thought, what kind of Christian are you? Well, he's a Christian who had a Galatians 6 slip-up. He screwed up. You don't need to broadcast that to everybody. Now, if one curses his father and mother, and I like that NLT translation, if you insult your father and mother, you don't have to go around insulting them. Now, correct them gently. Dad, you know, you really shouldn't be doing this. Mom, you really shouldn't be doing this. But you don't have to go around and bring curses on them and say all kinds of ugly things about them. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. We'll see you tonight, 7 o'clock, as we get back into the book of Romans and we continue to learn how to get along with each other. We'll see you then.